This is Red House Rising, Season 3, Episode 2, Best Laid Plans. November 1942, Military Police Headquarters, Honolulu, Hawaii. Joe follows a U.S. Army colonel along a dank underground passageway. I had him put down here for safekeeping. The FBI had him for dead. Turns out a Japanese family was hiding him. I know Taco well. I don't know why he was hiding, but I do know he's not a spy. That's what your uncle said. He's a feisty old guy, your uncle. Taka was like a son to him. Okay, here we are. You'll see, he, he looks a little rough. Apparently he fell at some point. He fell? We'll get him to a doctor, but that's why he's down here, away from trouble. Since he was diplomatic corps, FBI wants to call the shots. We'll see about that. Lockets, the only reason you're here. Five minutes. The officer opens the door, reaches in, and flips on the light. Taka has been sitting in the dark, handcuffed to a chair, his back to the door. Taka? Taka, it's Joe. Joe? Oh, Taka, your face. Joe, it's you. I can't believe it. How, how did you... Uncle Walt. He saw you arrested in Mokulea. He just happened to be there. He followed the MPs. Joe, there's somebody. She's... she's... You can't let them do anything to her. It's not her fault. Uh, okay. Who's that? The woman they arrested? Sue Ann. She's someone I... Joe... You've got to tell them. No one's to blame but me. They came and took her father one night. He asked me to protect his family. And I said I would, but I should have told him I couldn't and turned myself in and now... Joe, you can't let them hurt Sue Ann. I... I love her. Please, Joe. Taka, I understand. And I will try to see what I can do, but this is very serious stuff. You know they sent Nick back to Japan. I know. I thought he was killed in the raid. I was so happy when I found out he was alive. What about you? Were you hurt? No. Almost. But there was a young boy crying, and I ran and grabbed him and brought him to his mother, to Suan, instead of following Nick. Taka. I'll see what I can find out about Sue Ann. No guarantees. I also think that you'll be safer if you're in a camp with other Japanese. I understand why they hate me. Whatever you can do. Oh, Joe. It's good to see you. Tell Walt I'm so... I... I'll tell him. He loves you, too. Joe, if they let you talk to Sue Ann, please tell her. I'm so sorry. I will. I will, Taka.
the U.S. airbase at Chongqing, China's wartime capital. Alice, Mike, and Roger disembark from a DC-3 transport plane. It's just after dark. A light fog rolls in. Excuse me a moment, will you? Of course. Sure. Roger crosses to a waiting jeep and confers with the driver. I hope you know what you're getting yourself into. I could say the same thing to you. You and I both know important people who would tell you what you're trying won't work and might be treason in the eyes of the Kuomintang. Look, right now, we're united against the Japanese, the KMT, the U.S., and the Communists. And we all need each other's help. I agree. You know I do. I'm just worried about you. This is my car. I'm doing what I think is right for the good of China. Stop the Japanese and stop the civil war. So you're off then. Thank you again for your help, Alice. Couldn't do it without you. Well, thank you, Roger. Is everything all right? Do you need a ride? Uh, no. Here, let me. Mike and I are busy this evening, but I am looking forward to having you show me the many delights of Chongqing. Such as they are. Such as they are. Good night, gentlemen. What's up? If the mountain won't come to Mohammed... Mohammed's going to the mountain? Tonight? Yes, we are. Having any fun yet? I might have more fun riding in that car with Alice. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. I can, however, offer you a luxury cruise down the Yangtze. Our driver this evening is Dan Schumacher. Schumacher, this is Mike Mercer. I know you. You flew with the AVG, Flying Tigers. Yeah, yeah, I did. Ah. You? Uh, Army intelligence lately, and I get to drive this Jeep. Schumacher's working with us, and hopefully, so is the mountain. We need to go. I thought you'd never ask. Jeep driver. Everything up and down the Yangtze River is in darkness. Schumacher guides a small motorboat with Mike and Roger aboard toward an ancient-looking home on the far bank. As they draw closer, they can see that half the roof is gone and the interior has been gutted by fire. Hey, Roger, this must be the luxury part you were talking about. Watch that dock, Schumacher. Looks like it's come away. The Japanese have carpet-bombed this whole area around Chongqing. I know. That's one of the things we hope to do something about. Mike and Schumacher follow Roger around the back of the old palace. They come to a set of steps down to a cellar door. Hey, Mohammed, does your mountain run a speakeasy? She does, actually, among other things. Wow, plot twist. The mountain is a she. Kaufman. Reggie Powell. You're just in time. You'll have to excuse me, gentlemen. Easy. No, stop! Easy. Leave that money on the table. I can't do that. Where are you taking my money? Anywhere I like, Fong. You can't leave now, woman. Careful, Fong. Or your money won't be all you lose tonight. Enjoy yourselves, gentlemen. 
Get Fong a drink on me. This way, Kaufman. Reggie leads Roger, Mike, and Schumacher of a rickety servant stairway at the back of the bombed-out palace. I could have met you at the airport, but I thought you'd want to see how I've been spending your money. They reach the top of the stairs. The stairwell ceiling has a door cut in it. Reggie reaches behind a balustrade and pulls a switch. The door pops open and a rope ladder unfurls. Ladies first. <laughs> Reggie and the others climb up into a patched and reinforced part of the attic that is now a fully operational radio room. A woman wearing a headset sits at a shortwave radio, transcribing what she's listening to. She glances at the men briefly, then goes back to work. The room itself is cluttered with maps, transcriptions, and more radio gear. Well, Reggie, this is something. Who's she listening to? Let's see. The Japanese base at Yuyang. Can she get us some Benny Goodman? Sure, if that's what you're looking for. Here, let's... Just doesn't swing like Benny. It will when it's decoded, son. Don't you worry. This is well done, Reggie. Of course, if you'd prefer to hear what the communists are up to... Or perhaps Chang and the KMT, or your own General Stillwell, can do. It's after curfew in Chengxin. The car that picked up Alice at the airport, its headlights painted black, pulls into an alley and stops. Alice gets out and crosses to a doorway as the car pulls away. Leong, it's Alice. I'll get it. Then Fen Li can stop falling asleep and meet her Auntie Alice. I haven't fallen asleep once. Did so. Did not. Alice, this is Fen Li. Pay no attention to the bags under her eyes. Stop. She wanted to wait up to meet you. That's so sweet of you, Fen Li. It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Auntie Alice. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Mei-Ling and my sister tell me how lucky they feel to have you in their lives. And I can see why immediately. Except they don't want me to come with them. Alice knows why, and so do you. Come, give your auntie a squeeze. Oh. And then it's off to sleep. Mei-Ling's family has been great. They found Feng Li a good school. She likes it. Don't you, my darling? I like it. Come on. Kiss your other mother, and I'll tuck you in. I don't need to be tucked in. Too bad. Liang, she's... She's lovely. Just a kid. And the Japanese had her. She's 13. She's doing well enough, I guess. She has trouble sleeping. Mailing has been good with her. Better than me at caring for her. You are both doing a wonderful thing. We worry about leaving her here in Chongqing, but... She's out. She was exhausted waiting up for you. She's adorable, Mei-Ling. And she's lucky to have you two. And your parents. My father was dubious. My mother insisted. What happened with the American? What's his name? Roger Kaufman. He was on the flight with me tonight. Can we trust him? 
I think so. Turns out he's an old friend of Mike Mercer's from the Navy. Oh, Jeje, Mercer? Liang, leave her alone about him. Could you tell whether he understood the madam's importance? Completely. Kaufman said the U.S. wants an end to the Chinese Civil War as much as we do. And they can see the unique position Madam Sun occupies, revered by the Chinese communists as well as many in the Guomintang. Did he ask you why a senior KMT intelligence officer would support an avowed communist? He knows why I support her. Because the alternative is Mao and Chang at each other's throats the moment the Japanese are defeated. Did he actually tell you the U.S. is open to regime change? They see China headed for chaos and the Kremlin exploiting that chaos. And they'd like to do what they can to stop that from happening. What do they propose? Intelligence sharing, maybe. Operational help? We'll see. They know you're close to Madam Sun and therefore the Russians. What do they know? What do you tell them? That you managed a delicate situation for Madam Sun during a difficult time in her life. And that she remains devoted to you. She will listen to you, Liang. You know she will. I learned something new. Stillwell thinks Madam Sun is wonderful. Simpatico, he calls her. The U.S. general. The Allied commander said she's simpatico? Chang can't have liked that. General Stillwell hides his disdain for Chang, but he speaks openly of his deep admiration for Madam Sun, her exquisite poise, her wisdom. You're sure it's not her sister, Madam Chang, he's talking about? Chang's wife may be popular in America, but Stillwell believes Madam Sun is the deeper, more important sister. Talk to her, Liang. Reason with her. The people will follow her. Convince the wife of Sun Yat-sen, courageous mother of our nation, that she can and must unite all of China and end the civil war. The Royal Hawaiian Hotel, Waikiki Beach, Honolulu, Hawaii. The hotel has been converted to an officer's club for U.S. servicemen. Joe McManamy makes her way through the crowded bar to a table where Special Agent Lockett sits. Well... We're coming up in the world. The Royal Hawaiian. My, 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 my. It was our Dr. Baldwin's idea. Everything all right with your son? Yeah, fine. My uncle and his wife are going to keep Daniel while we're gone. He just started walking. Oh, boy. Blink and he'll be driving. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Estelle, I'm sorry to be a nag. No, you're not sorry. No, I'm not. It's fine. I've just heard. The head shed at Joint Intelligence has taken control of Mr. Kawashima and his girlfriend. What do you mean, taking control? They're no longer in military police custody. They've been moved to Camp Iroquois. Sue Ann as well? Both of them. Isn't Camp Iroquois where they put the high-value POWs? That's right. I know the executive officer of the interrogation section. Prisoners are treated well. I think it's a good result, for now. Estelle, he's no spy. And she's no traitor. Well, that is good news. (laughs) We do not like spies or traitors. Well, spies, a little bit. (laughs) Dr. Benjamin Baldwin. I didn't know this meeting was formal. Hello, Miss Lockett. Uh, I've got something on the hilltop a little later. The hilltop, huh? 
Science needs funding. No matter where it comes from. Good to see you, Ben. Excuse me for eavesdropping. You must be Miss McMenemy. I'm Ben Baldwin. It's Joe. Joe. I like that. Easier than McMenemy. So they tell me. I understand you're whisking us off to Maui tomorrow. Joe's going to advise for me. She knows the Solomons as well as anyone. Right, you said. Lovely to meet you, Joe. Say, I'm going to have the bartender make us something special. It's called a Mai Tai. I just had one in Oakland on my way here. I think you're going to love it. Be right back. Holy cow. He's the electronics expert? He's electromagnetic all by himself. I told you he wasn't a typical scientist. Miss Lockett, he's not a typical man. Is there something you're not telling me? What do you mean? He wasn't flirting with me. Was he flirting? I didn't notice. I was too busy staring at his teeth. Shikoku Island, Japan, across the Seto Inland Sea from Hiroshima Bay. An old Mitsubishi monoplane approaches a dirt field where hundreds of impoverished-looking women and children and old men wait in small groups. Prince Nick Nikura is the pilot. All right now, just leave me enough room to land this old thing. A woman with a walking stick runs up the field, clearing people from the middle of the runway. Give him room! Make way! Please, please, everyone! That's it. One side or the other. Nick touches down and quickly shuts off the engine. All right. Nothing stupid now. Be careful! Oh, watch the children! The plane is not even fully stopped when the cargo door comes open and people begin pulling sacks of rice out of the cargo bay and passing them back to others, or turning and leaving with a sack of their own. Nick opens the cockpit door and carefully climbs out. He's limping, but no longer uses a cane. There's enough for everyone, but you must share. Please, share with everyone. Listen to Prince Nikura. Do as he says. Fumiko, thank you for your help. There are so many now, more than I expected. Word spread quickly you were bringing rice. I wish I could do more. How are you, Fumiko? No better or worse than others. The needless suffering. A Japanese army stake bed truck races toward the plane, sending people scrambling away in fear. Oh! Kempitai! The truck is loaded with a squad of Kempitai soldiers, Japan's secret police. I know that officer. His father worked for my father. The truck stops and Captain Hayashi opens the passenger door and stands on the running board looking down on Nick and Fumiko as the other Kempitai jump down from the truck and train their rifles on the people fleeing. Stop! They're starving, Hayashi! Captain Hayashi! Hold your fire! Prince Nakura, are you in the rice business now? The soldiers spread out and retrieve every sack of rice the panic crowd has dropped. What do you want, Hayashi? I want your plane. That's what I want. My plane? 
This letter from Colonel Ishida directs you to release the plane to me immediately. I told the Colonel we'd have no trouble with you, but he wanted to write you a nice note. What does the Kempatai want with a broken down K3? Was this your idea, Hayashi? Captain Hayashi. And I don't have to explain myself to you, Prince. You better warn your pilot. This old plane is nearly impossible to fly. Stability is bad in any kind of wind. Most of the gauges don't even work. You didn't have any trouble flying it, and you claim you're a cripple. So crippled you can't fight for your own country. Am I right? I know why you're doing this. Believe me, you don't want this plane. That's enough, my prince. Japan will rise in Asia. No thanks to you and your sort. Better stay out of the way, or you might get hurt. We're moving! Prince Nikuro, we are lost, aren't we? Our country. Fumiko, I... I feel like we've been lost for a generation. You should eat something yourself, Prince Nikuro. You're wasting away. <laughs> Nick. Just Nick. And I'm not, really. Nick. Please, before you fall over, let me feed you. Red House Rising was produced, written, and directed by Chris Cote and Dale Carey. Episode three is next.